Hello, everybody. I'm Larry. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, what should I say? So, so there's not a lot of time to qualify. Here's what I will say. Um, so, you know, if you're drunk driving uh, and then you wake up uh, strapped to a gurney in an emergency room with brain damage and all your teeth knocked out and both your legs broken, and then you end up drunk driving again, you're probably an alcoholic. So that's that's my quick qualification. Um, you know, I had a long career of drinking. Um, I could go through the drunkalogue, but instead I kind of wanted to focus a little bit on the stuff that I found hard to get when I first came around the rooms. Um, my sobriety date, by the way, is um, July 18th of 2019. Um, so... You know, it, it took me a while to understand, and the very first confusing thing to me, because uh, I knew I had a problem with alcohol, I'd known it for a long time, uh, I didn't know how to quit. I didn't know what it meant to not want to drink, um, and that's why I showed up, because I knew people in my life who had seen success in the program, um, but what I didn't understand uh, when I showed up was, why is it that out of the 12 steps, uh, only the first half of the first step is where alcohol shows up. Out of all 24 half steps in that list, one of them mentions alcohol. How can that possibly be? What is all the rest of this stuff about? Uh, I got the notion that God's in there somewhere and I'm supposed to confess something and get make lists, but I couldn't see to the end of how that was going to impact me i just had to have the faith and try um but that was hard you know and and so it took some time for me to get that um what i'll say is that i've learned about myself through the program because it may work very differently for many people you know if it's not written in the steps and in the big book it's just it's just someone's interpretation what worked for them right so so my take on it is this you know if i go to the bar um i'll see people uh, I'll see people that, you know, seem to be like normal drinkers, you know, social drinkers. Uh, they, they seem at least relatively content going about their social drinking ways. And what they'll do is, um, you know, they'll be there with someone, they'll pick up a drink, they'll take a sip, and they'll put it down. You know, and they'll talk for a while. This is how I've had it explained to me, so I'm explaining it to you. Um, they'll, they'll pick it up, they'll, they'll talk a little bit, and then they'll think, they'll think of something they're going to say, and they'll put it down without taking a sip. And this will go on, you know. Meanwhile, I'm slamming down shots, right? Um, and then, you know, a waitress will come around and, and ask them, would you like another one? And they'll say, no, thank you. I'm starting to feel it. Really? Uh, you know, from my perspective, that's... The, that's kind of the point, right? And, and, and why is that? And for me, I think it turned out what I've learned about myself is um, a lot of other people, at least to some degree or another, um, feel something from alcohol. Uh, it changes how they feel. Uh, but, but, but for me, see, see I, think, I think most people, at least um, the ones I'm staring at for trying to understand, they, they, they're not unhappy with who they are or who they're with, or where they are, and they don't see everyone around them as a threat. But I do, see. Uh, I am never happy with who I am, or where I am, or who I'm there with, 
and everyone around me was a, was a threat. And so when I took a drink and it changed how I felt, I said, give me more of that. Give me more of that. I, I don't want to live in this existence that I'm in without it. Um, and, and that meant that my problem wasn't, my number one problem wasn't alcohol. Alcohol was something that, for various reasons, gave me the reaction that helped me not feel that. So I became addicted to it. But my problem was spiritual. Uh, and, and so what I, learned from, what I learned from the program was fixing that problem. Um, and, and so, so you know, go, going through the program, uh, I'd say step four was the most transformational thing for me um, because it showed me that so much of my life was kind of ruled by sort of self-centered fears. Um, and I had to make an inventory of those things and I had to confront them. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to close with this because there's not a lot of time left. Um, but, but this was, in, I like to tell this story because it tells, it talks about kind of the, the power of the program and kind of what was at, not even at the end of it, but when it really started, I started to feel like I got it, like what was there for me. Um, so, you know, I had a, I had a relationship with my son, which around which I had a lot of, um, sort of regrets, you know, a lot of guilt, um, you know, I wasn't there from like it should have been. He got into a lot of trouble. I was drunk. Uh, so there were feelings like that. But in any case, he had already, you know, he was grown up. He had left the house. Um, I had stopped drinking. I was in the program. Uh, I was past my fifth step. He came over to the house. I invited him over. I was so happy to see him. But, you know, he had a lot of resentments. And that's fair. He's going to have those, right? So in any case, we're talking and so on and... And we go out back and we're talking and I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was very upset. You could tell like he had a chip on his shoulder that night. Like he really kind of, he was very, um, you know, all this stuff about, you know, he heard something about me not drinking anymore. He saw I wasn't drinking and he didn't really, I don't know, it seemed to piss him off. He didn't buy it, whatever. Anyway, he said something to the effect of, um, he told me to go fuck myself. For, for, for abs, like it was, it was completely, like it was completely uncalled for. Um, and he told me to go fuck myself and it was just me and him on the back porch and I'm just sitting there and like, and it was interesting because at that moment I was able to, because of the work I'd done in the program, I was able to examine my feelings and um, I was afraid of a number of things. I was afraid of, um, I was afraid of that rejection, you know, I was afraid of disrespect you know, that feeling of disrespect. And those things to me are triggers to anger, usually. And so I would usually just live in those feelings. Um, but I recognized them. And I recognized that I didn't want to say anything that I would regret. See, if I was drinking, there would be two possible outcomes. Um, the 80% probability would be I would get really pissed off at him and I'd yell at him and I'd throw him out the door. And that would be the end of that. You know, tell them, get the fuck out of my house. How dare you stay, right? And the other 20% would be, depending on what kind of a drinking night it was, I might I might start crying and feel guilty and say, son, it's all my fault. I can't believe I, you know. And, and while those feelings are valid, that I might have a regret, both of those courses of action would just do more damage. But by recognizing them, I was able to short, kind of short-circuit that anger. And I said, um, I said, 
look at, you know, I love you, but you can't talk to me that way. Please call me when you're ready to talk to me like I'm your father. And, and I asked him to leave and he left. Uh, and he called me a couple weeks later and he was very cool. And ever since then, we've had like a decent relationship and it's been getting better. To me, that's the gift of the program is that ability to see past those fears rather than just trying to drink them away, having to drink them away. You know, today I have days, I have weeks where I do not think about drinking. That is a miracle. I have relationships that are not like this one with my son that are not captive to my dysfunction uh, around my alcoholism and my spiritual disorders. And that's a fucking miracle. That stuff can happen if you stick around here. You got to work the program. The steps are there for a reason. God bless you all. Thank you for having me tonight uh, to speak. I'm Kim. I'm an alcoholic addict. Um, my sobriety date is seven nineteen fourteen. I just recently celebrated seven years. And that's a big for me because um, my, my drinking and using... Um, Mainly went really bad in 2008 when um, I had met my son's father, my boyfriend at that time. Um, I had moved here to Oregon in 2005 and I was working and I met my boyfriend who I got together with and in 2008 started drinking and using. Um, we became homeless and that's where it started. And I was only doing it every once in a while. And then it just progressed to doing it all the time I needed it. And, you know, at the end of that camera, at the end of the bottle, came drugs. And, um, you know, my mom and dad got divorced when I was really, really young. Um, and I have some childhood trauma going on. And, you know, I got hooked on methamphetamines and alcohol at the same time. Um, and it was horrible because... You know, I always thought I had friends that had um, a DHS case and they were the same. They were alcoholic addicts like me. Um, and they had their kids taken away because of their drinking and using. And I always told myself that if I ever got pregnant and had a child, I wasn't going to use or drink while I was pregnant because I'm not going to get a DHS case. I'm not going to have my kid go through foster homes or anything like that. Well, obviously your kids cannot keep you clean and sober. And that's just how it is. Because if it was true, then my son would have kept me clean and sober when I got pregnant with him. Um, I got pregnant with him in 2012. And I was due December, uh, December 16, 2012. And I had him October 10, 2012 at 32 weeks pregnant. Uh, he has fetal alcohol syndrome and some other things wrong with him because of my drinking and using while I was pregnant with him. Uh, he was only four and a half pounds. Mm. He was only four and a half pounds when he was born. And I wasn't able to take him home from the hospital. He came up positive. Um, so they called DHS. And DHS showed up at my room and told me that they were taking my son if I didn't go into treatment. And I blew it off. I wasn't ready. I hadn't hit my rock bottom. Um, my son was in the NICU for two and a half months, went straight to family foster care. And I didn't see him for the next, like, six months after that. And it was only one hour a month 
um, supervised at DHS, and that was like really horrible because I was missing all these things, you know, that you miss when you're a baby. And um, somebody else was raising my child, and I didn't like that. So finally, the third time that DHS put in a referral for me to go into treatment, I finally hit my rock bottom. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was done with being abused by my son's father. Um, I was physically and emotionally and mentally abused by him every day. Um, I would go to my visits with black eyes and a busted up lip, you know, because me and his father got in a fight the night before. And I was just tired of it. I was homeless for six years. And the whole time I was using and drinking. And it just, you know, it just went downhill. And finally I hit my rock bottom. And um, in 2014, I hit my rock bottom. And... I ended up going into treatment, an inpatient treatment center for three months. Uh, my worker, DHS worker, didn't have faith in me, didn't think I was going to be able to hang with it and be clean and sober for very long. So when I went in there, my son was placed up for adoption. And June 1st of 2015, um, I graduated from, uh, I graduated in intensive outpatient after my uh, inpatient. And June 1st of 2015, I got my own place with DHS's help. And my son was placed up for adoption, but then June 7th, we went back to court in 2015 to have him placed home with me. August 13th, 2015, my son has been, has been home with me since. And that's because of the promises of this program. That's because I'm working in honest, rigorous program. I did what DHS wanted me to do. I got clean and sober, and I got a sponsor. I got a meeting. I had the home group, and I worked the steps. And I don't just work the steps just one time. I keep working the steps. I'm also in a um, in the step study with some of the girls that um, I love and adore, and it's just amazing, you know. Um, I never thought I would have seven years, let alone having my son back home. I stole from my mom. My mom lives with me. I have all control of all the bills and the money. You know, and that's amazing. Um, my higher power shows me every day that, you know, it could be done. I don't have to pick up a drink or a drug. I pick up that phone and I call and ask for help and I reach out when I'm struggling. Um... You know, it has been a struggle. Uh, it's not just full of rainbows and butterflies at all. You know, um, if that was the case, I would have it made. No problem. But um, I've had struggles in my life. Uh, my mom is very, very sick. She has some lung diseases. And um, and we're going through that, you know. And then with my son having his medical issues, I'm trying to deal with both of those. And I still have time for myself, you know. And it's just, you know, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't get clean and sober. It wouldn't happen if I didn't come in prison with AA and decided to just, you know, sit down, shut up, and listen, and take the suggestions that were given to me and use them at least one time. Because, you know, if you don't use the suggestion one time, then how do you know it's not going to work? You know, and I did, and most of the time it worked, which was amazing. And one of the suggestions that my sponsor gave me was to reach out and when I'm struggling, go to a meeting and speak up at that meeting because it will feel a lot better once I do and ask for help. 
um, when I first came into a program, I didn't want to ask for help. I was the type that said, I got this. I don't need help. But that's when, you know, that's when you need help the most. Um, so I've been cleaning sober for seven years. Um, there's a jail here in Eugene, Oregon called Lane County Jail. Um, before the COVID, I would go in there twice a month and, you know, been in a, a, a meeting there. And, you know, it was just amazing that, you know, I can go in there and share my story with these ladies that got in trouble and got in jail for being, you know, having being alcohol or drug related. And that, you know, I was able to help them um, decide that they wanted it, it. They wanted what I have. You know, and I just told them how to get it. You know, that you have to work your own program. I cannot work it for you. And I'm not going to work as hard for your program as you're working, you know. And it's just, my higher power has me so much. Um, my son has seizures. And a while back, she was hospitalized, like, numerous times because of his seizures. And, you know, I blame myself for that. And then now I'm like, no, I know it's not, you know, I can't change the past. All I can do is, you know, live in the present and go on from there. And I'm able to be his parent. I'm able to teach him what he needs to know on a daily basis. Um, I'm able to reach out. I'm able to share my story, my strength and experience and hope with other women and other men in meetings like this. And, you know, most of the time, somebody always gets something out of it, and I hope they do. You know, just even one person gets something out of my story that will make me happy. You know, um, I go to most Hawaii meetings, and that's where some of the Hawaiian girls are. Um, they're here because I asked them to be here for me, and they're amazing. And, um, you know, my support system, I have a really good support system. Um, and just like, you know, I, I've done the inventory, I've done the, um, the amends, and I do a living amends with my mom every single day and with my son every single day. And I do the 10 steps all the time. I ask myself, did I do something wrong to this person? Did I hurt them? Did I do it? Do I have a resentment against them or what? You know, and I just have to keep my my side of the street clean. Um, a while back, my son was placed in an unsafe situation with his dad. His dad and his mom got in a big argument with my son over there. My son is only eight years old. And um, luckily I was at my sponsor's house because she has a car. And I got a phone call at 10.30 at night to go pick up my son from his dad because they were in unsafe situation. And I went and picked him up. And um, the next day, I ended up calling DHS and letting them know what was going on. And with having a past DHS case, that scared the living crap out of me. I was scared. Um, but they were behind me 100%. You know, I've had to call DHS twice now on my on me because of his father, and that was the last shot. You know, my son got scared, didn't want to see his dad anymore. He begged me not to let him see him, and he's not seeing him right now. You know, um, I'm able to keep my son safe. I'm able to keep myself safe and my mom safe. And, you know, I'm able to be there for other people when they're struggling. I'm able to give advice and suggestions and, 
you know, just have an ear to listen to and know, you know, what they're going through and understand what they're going through. That I probably went through a little bit of it too. And it's just, you know, no matter what happens, as long as I don't drink or use, my life is amazing today. Um, you know, my sponsor's coming up on eight years next month and, you know, it's just so amazing. I never thought I would have seven years in a row. You know, um, I, always, I had a reservation when I got my son back and my case was being closed and I was honest with my DHS worker. I was scared because I didn't have that, um, that accountability anymore that I could go out there and drink and use again. But I thought about it and I played the tape through and it's like, is it worth it? Because I'm going to lose everything that I worked so hard for again. And I'm not willing to do that. It's not worth it. It's worth going to a meeting. It's worth picking up the phone and calling and asking for help when you're falling. Um, and in uh, 2000 and 2017, February 24th, I saw my kitchen passed out and broke my neck. Um, my son was with me, and so was my mom. And I ended up going, being my flight to Portland, Oregon. And that's like a two and a half hour uh, drive from here. And my mom didn't have a car, and my mom was watching my son. My sponsor and my support system came together and got my mom up to Portland with me, and my son went to a caretaker for six days while I was in the hospital. And it was just amazing. I didn't have to worry about my son. I didn't have to worry about anything. All I had to worry about was recovering. And, um, yeah, I, I came home with pain pills. I was in constant contact with my sponsor about it. And I was strong enough that I went into my surgeon's office and I told him, don't give me any more pain pills. I don't need them. And please write it in my record. Do not ask because I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. And you asked me so many times. Eventually, I'm going to just say, yes, give them to me. But I, I spoke up and I said, look, you're not going to give me any more. I don't want them. I don't need them. Um... When I was in the hospital, they were trying to give me some meds to put me to sleep, and I kept telling them they had to call my sponsor before they gave me anything because my sobriety meant the most to me. And I wasn't going to ruin that because I was in the hospital and they were laughing at me. But they were really proud that I was that, that you know, in touch with my, with my recovery, that I cared enough for, you know, them to me to tell them to call my sponsor and then to tell me it's medically supervised so it's fine, you know, and um, you know, they made a food train for me and my family and strangers for even bringing my family dinner every night for the, last, for the next four or five weeks, I think it was. So I didn't have to worry about cooking or feeding my kids or feeding my mom or me, you know. There was always somebody bringing dinner to us every single night. And that wouldn't have happened if I was out there still. That None of this would have ever happened if I was still out there. And, you know, I, I have friends who like me for who I am, not what I have. They don't want me for what I have. They want to be my friend because of who I am. You know, I'm a loving, caring person today. And I'm honest. I'm totally honest. And, you know, I just, I love recovery. I tell anybody and everybody, if they ask me, yeah, I am, I'm in recovery. I go to AA meetings, and I have a sponsor, and I work the steps. 
Um, I've been asked several times to be somebody's sponsor. And, um, you know, it went from there. And I contacted my sponsor and, you know, I was able to talk to them about it. But it's just, you know, you have to, if you really want to stay clean and sober, you have to go to meetings. And you need to get a sponsor and work the steps. Working the steps saved my ass. It really saved me. Working the steps, being rigorous, being honest, not lying, not just doing pieces and pieces of the puzzle that I want to do. That's not going to get you anywhere. You know, I learned being rigorously honest with the sponsor that you like and that you can trust really works out really good. You know, um, my mom trusts me now with money, which is amazing. I have a roof over my head. I have food in my belly. I can feed my kid. I can put clothes on them and not have to worry about where we're staying at from day to day. Not have to worry about how I'm going to feed him from night to night. You know, I don't have to sell my food stamps. I don't have to worry about paying my bills because I went and paid money on, on alcohol or drugs. No, I pay my bills. And, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm able to adult today. And I'm able to be um, rid, really, really... Um, oh, God, no, that's the word I was looking for. I'm able to be um, there for others and be able to be responsible and be able to do things that, you know, us adults need to do on a daily basis. You know, um, I do self-care. I um, spend the night at my friend's house. Um, every other weekend, my son goes to his caretakers. So I get the weekend away. And it's just amazing, you know. I love my son. But being together 24-7, you know, it's not helping. <laughs> you know, so it does not does his thing with his caretaker and it's just amazing, you know. And I'm able to get him help. Um, getting him into like counseling and stuff, I'm able to advocate for him. And I'm able to advocate for myself. And, you know, it's just, I have so much stuff. Um, even when I was struggling not that long ago and I reached out to my support system and I asked for help and they helped me. And I was just really, really overwhelmed with everything going on. Um, my mom and my neighbor got in an argument. Then my son ended up uh, having meltdown after meltdown after meltdown. He's autistic, and behavioral issues don't help at all. And it was just, you know, one thing after another. It kept building up all day. And then I was like, I need to reach out. So I reached out, and... The women were, you know, my support system was there for me in a heartbeat. We all got together and we were able to talk about it. And, you know, I felt a lot better once we had that meeting and we talked about it. And, you know, I took the suggestions that were offered to me, you know, and it's just amazing what this program does for me. Um, I was fighting Social Security for years and years and years, and I finally got approved for it. You know, so now me and my friend get SSI, and that's just awesome. I never thought that I would be able to get it, you know, because I was just an alcoholic addict, and you're not going to give me that much money, are they? You know, but now they did. Now that I have years and years clean and sober, you know, and I'm able to um, be a good member of society, you know, and 
I'm always there for others. I mean, three o'clock in the morning, I've had people call me and tell me I'm struggling, and they woke me up, and it's, uh, it's okay. You can call me waking up. That's fine. As long as I can keep you, keep, as long as I can help keep you clean and sober for 24 hours, then I'm doing what I need to do. I'm giving away freely what was still given to me. And that's just, you know, and I have a higher power who is amazing, who is always there for me no matter what. You know, um, uh, what else? Um, so, basically, um, the cops have been called on me numerous times when I was out there using and drinking with my boyfriend. And um, they knew. They knew it was domestic violence, but they couldn't do anything about it because I was the one that said, no, it never was physical when it was. You know, but now my son doesn't have to see that. My son doesn't have to see his mom getting beaten up every day, all day long. You know, and he knows that that's not how a man is supposed to treat a woman. You know, he knows that you are not to put your hands on other women at all, no matter what happens. There's no exception to it at all. And, you know, I'm able to do that today. I'm able to teach him right from wrong and, you know, help him with his schooling. And it's just, you know, my life is so freaking amazing. Um, you know, we've, I've, I've been into hospital numerous times with my mom with COPD and emphysema. And she goes in on Wednesday, and I'm just praying that everything goes good. She goes into a lung specialist on Wednesday afternoon, and we find out if she has to be on oxygen 24-7 and what else is going on with her. Um, you know, and it's scary. It is scary. Um, you know, my mom's getting sicker and sicker, and I'm just like, I was future tripping before, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, there's my mom. She's my best friend. She's always had faith in me. She's always been there with me through the whole entire time that I was using and drinking. She was there for me no matter what. She never gave up on me. And she was there for me when I went into treatment. And she helped me so much that the thought of losing her really, really upset me. You know, but I'm living in the present moment at this time. Not in the future, not in the past. Because I can't change what is in the future. And I can't change what happened in the past. I can just move on from there and look at it and try to, you know, change what I can change. You know, um, I pray every night and um, I don't just pray for myself. I pray for others. I pray for other people in, in these rooms. I pray, I pray for the, uh, like a dad that is still out there sick and suffering. I pray for him no matter how hard it is for me to do that. I still do. You know, um, I just wish he would get his life together for our son. But, you know, I can't work his program for him. He has to want it and he has to do it himself. And he knows how to do it. And he's a grown adult. There's nothing I can do about it, you know. Um, I had a friend that had, um, my sponsor's boyfriend has uh, two cars and because I'm clean and sober and I have my license and I could be trusted, they gave me one of their cars to use on a regular basis. So I don't have to worry about taking the bus with this COVID crap going on with my son or my mom, you know, and it's just amazing because you know what? 
seven years ago, I couldn't be trusted with somebody's car. And I would have sold that. I would have sold it for a bottle of alcohol and some drugs. I would have sold it. I would have freaking told them I didn't know what happened to it. Somebody stole it, you know, or I would have came up with some excuse for it or whatever, you know, but um, I have my license and, you know, I've never been to jail except I walk in there for a meeting and I walk out with my clothes on. My, my regular clothes, I'm able to walk in there an hour later, walk out. You know, and I'm, I thank God for that every single day that, you know, nothing really bad happened that I went to jail for. You know, I could have gone to jail several times when I was out there, but I was thankful I never got caught, you know, because that would have just been horrible. But you know what? I don't, I don't judge today. I don't judge. And I am one of those I am one of those people that had an open DHS case for two and a half years because of my using and my drinking got way too much. And I had a kid with alcohol, fetal alcohol syndrome, you know, and it's just, you know what? I don't judge people today on what they do or how they are. I help them. I listen to them. And I read the book with them. And, it's, you know, I just give them suggestions that they want you know, to help this. And, like, I will go to a meeting with somebody on Zoom. I'll go. If you're sharing at a meeting or you want to go to a meeting but you're scared to go by yourself, I will be the first one that I will raise my hand and say, okay, I'll go with you. You know, you need a meeting, I'll go. You don't have to be scared. It's fine. Um, you know, it's just there's things going on in my life and it's just life on my terms and I hate that thing. I freaking hate that thing. Life on my terms. And I'm like, oh my gosh, or don't give up five minutes before the miracle. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. I was struggling so bad. I reached out to my sponsor and I was honest. And I told her that I didn't want to feel my feelings anymore. That I just felt like picking up and using or thinking. But I did not do that. I went to a meeting and I spoke about it. I talked to my sponsor for like two hours that night and we worked it out. And I was able to be like, okay, you know what? I don't need to think or use no matter what. I think my, my life is hard right now. Just think of what would happen if I would pick up a drink or a drug, you know? So I just have to remember that every single day. I look at my son and I'm like, nope, it's not worth it. Is it worth him going back to a foster home, being adopted and having somebody else raise my kid? No, it's not. Nothing in the world is worth it at all, ever. You know, and I just love these ladies that are here, that are here to help support me. And it's just, you know, I'm honored to be asked to speak in a meeting. You know, and it's just... You know, things do happen in my life, and they happen for a reason. And I don't know always what that reason is, but my higher power has a reason for certain things happening in my life. And that's okay, because I can get through it. And like my sponsor has always said, God will not give you more than what you can handle. And you know what? Sometimes I think he does, but I still am able to handle it. And, you know, I show up and I suit up and I'm there for others. And, you know, I'm just able to be a 
good member of society today. I don't feel, you know, I'm honestly, somebody brings up something that they undercharge me. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you gave me too much change back. That's not right. And they're like, oh, thank you. You know, um, I can go in the store and buy my myself, you know, my son clothes. I don't have to try to steal them anymore. You know, like I did seven years ago, eight years ago, when I was out there using and drinking. I didn't care. I would go steal alcohol. I'd go stand on the corner with the sign asking for money. You know, and everything, I thought everything was fine. I thought that was the way to live, but it's not. Um, I live in a three-bedroom apartment I never thought I would ever get into. You know, and my sister just recently moved up here to Oregon from California, and, you know, I was able to take a trip to California and see her before she moved up here, which I have not seen her for four years. And she showed up the other night at my house. And it was just amazing. My mom and my son haven't seen her in four years. And just to see the smile on my mom's face and the smile on my son's face was a miracle. And it was a total miracle. My sister is here for me. Um, she's got my back. You know, and when I was out there using and drinking, I only contacted her when I wanted money or when I needed something. You know, we didn't have a, we didn't have much of a relationship. But now, for the past seven years, I am in constant contact with her. Now that she lives up here close to us, it's even better now. You know, my son is so happy and my mom is so happy she got to see her daughter. And that was one thing that she wanted to do was get her daughter up here to, uh, to Oregon before my mom died. That was one thing that she just prayed or whatever and not have to read out if I'm going to steal their stuff or what am I going to do or who am I going to bring in there. You know, they don't have to worry about that at all. And, you know, I don't have to run. I don't have to run and hide from people. I don't have to worry about owing other people money for, you know, loaning me money for alcohol, loaning me money for drugs, loaning me money for food or whatever. You know, I don't have to worry about those these days. You know, as long as I don't drink or eat, I have kindergarten problems. You know, they are basically kindergarten problems because, you know what? I just look to my higher power and look up to my support system and my sponsor and other women in the room. And I got it made. I really got it made. You know, my life is amazing today. And it's just like, you know, all I can say is get a sponsor and work this program. If you want it, you need to work it as hard as you want it. You know, the promises do come true. They came true for me. Yeah, for my son, they came true, but it was slow. But I'm glad it was a slow transition because of the problems that he had. You know, it helped me learn how to deal with his behaviors and stuff. Because if it was a fast transition, it wouldn't have been that good. Because then I wouldn't have known how to deal with all his problems that he had right away. You know, and it's just... You know, I can't say it enough that, you know, get a good support system and reach out. Pick up that phone that weighs a thousand pounds and ask for help when you're struggling instead of picking up and using or drinking, you know, or going and doing other stupid stuff. You know, is your life really worth getting away just to, you know, have a drink or a drug one more time? 
to me, it's not worth it at all. Not at all. Because everything I worked so hard for, like, I would lose it in like two seconds flat. Two seconds, I'd be homeless. Yeah, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. And that's why I got an amazing sponsor, an amazing support system. I got these women from Hawaii that showed up to support me tonight. Yeah, and that's because I opened my mouth and I said something to them. And they were all willing to show up here, you know, to help me, to be there for me. And it's just, you know, before, I wouldn't have done that. I would just been like, ah, you're right, you're tripping. Nope, not calling nobody, you know. Or I'm not even going to do it. I come up with the reason why I can't do it. You know, when I was early in recovery, I was too scared to share my, my experience, strength, and hope. I'm like, nope, not happening. I don't have anything that they want to hear anyway. But I do, actually, I do. You know, um, it's just, you know, I don't give up. And I keep going, no matter what happens. Speed bumps in the road, that's fine. I can get over those. Any hurdles, I can get over without using your drinking at all, no matter what, you know, and I have an amazing, like, I have amazing women in my life today, and it's just amazing how quick we can come together when we're, when one of us is struggling, how quick we're there for each other, you know, and, um, you know, pick up that phone, call your sponsor, call another, another person in the room from AA, you know, work the steps. And just, you know, keep going to meetings, even though it's on Zoom. It sucks, but you know what? I'm used to it now. I like Zoom meetings because I can go all around the world. I don't have to just stay in Eugene, Oregon, and wonder, oh, is it going to be too late to go to a meeting because I have an eight-year-old that needs to go to bed on a certain time? Or, Mom, can you watch my son so that way I can go to a meeting? You know, my son knows about meetings. That's another good thing about this program is, I was able to take him to some meetings for childcare before the pandemic happened. And so, um, right after the pandemic happened, um, he was asking me, are we going to go to your meeting yet, mom? Are we going to meetings? And I was like, no, they stopped the meetings. And he's like, oh, you know, so he knows. And I tell him I'm going upstairs for a meeting. He knows. As you can tell, he came in here wanting to see everybody and wanting to know where everybody is going. But, you know, that's my life. My eight-year-old, he'll be mine on the tent. And he thinks he's going to be 19. Mine going on 19. He thinks he knows everything. But you know what? It's okay. Because I'm there for him. I'm able to be clean and sober. And he doesn't have to see his mom drunk or high at all. Ever. And it's just, you know, I have... I have people like you guys that ask me to come and share my experience, strength, and hope. I have people in the rooms of the AA that say, oh, well, you shared your story, and I really was touched by it, and, you know, you helped me, you know, and it inspired me, and that really, that really helped me out, you know, and it really touches me really bad. Like, it's really good, you know. Um, when I was asked to share, um, and I was reminded yesterday, which I'm grateful I was reminded because I have a lot going on and I almost forgot. And she reminded me and I'm like, oh my gosh, yep. So, you know, it's just awesome how I can just open up my laptop, turn it on and go to a Zoom meeting and share my story. Whether it's, you know, for 10 minutes or 40 minutes, you know. 
but I hope that somebody got something out of this to help them stay clean and sober tonight. And I will take another 24. Thank you so much.